0: Hey, it's Alice. Before you jump into this episode, I want to tell you about this week's partner. One of the biggest mistakes we can make when it comes to marketing is not analyzing the metrics. Podcast downloads, website traffic, social engagement, these numbers can tell us something about what is and isn't working, but we so rarely listen to them. That's why this year I've made a habit of sitting down each month to analyze and learn from my metrics. It's already helping me to tweak my strategy in order to meet my goals. And I've found a really great tool to help with this, Metrical. Metrical makes it easy to analyze, manage and improve your content across all of your platforms. My favorite is their analytics tool because all of the numbers are right in front of you to look at and most importantly, learn from. They also have a content planner, inbox manager and hashtag tracker. So Metrical really can be your one stop shop for all your marketing needs. I only partner with brands who I genuinely believe will bring value to our lives as business owners and this one is no different. So if you're ready to manage your marketing with intention, head to the link in the show notes and start using. Metricool for free today. Now back to the episode. Welcome back to the podcast. You're listening to episode number 184 of Starting the Conversation. I'm your host, Alice Benham. Here... For officially the first time, I know she snuck in on the last solo episode, but officially the
1: first time, the producer of this podcast, M. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, Alice only p- hires people whose first name's begin with me <laughs> No, I'm joking, she doesn't do that. But um. we should give some context
0: here. If you've been <laughs> a listener of the podcast for a while, you know that I used to have another brilliant producer called Emily. I produced this podcast for myself for about a year, I think, and I was awful. <laughs> If you listen to the previous episodes from like zero to probably 40, first of all, don't because I sound... Awful. Like a child. Yeah. Like an American child on helium. Um, <laughs> it shows that growth
1: is possible. <laughs>
0: oh, yeah. If you want to know that you find your voice by using it, listen to my early podcast episodes. You got to start somewhere, people. But yeah, I produced it myself for about a year. I was not very good at editing audio, but I got the job done. You have to be scrappy in the early days. Then I had a brilliant team member called Emily come on board, my first ever team member. And she played a really pivotal role in not only helping this podcast grow, but also helping the business as a whole. Emily is no longer with the business. I feel like that makes it sound like we fell out. We did not. She has just moved on to new things. And I now have a new podcast producer, Em. Hello. (laughs) Nice to meet you again on the podcast. Great to see you, Em. (laughs) Em plays a really pivotal role in these episodes that you listen to you obviously don't see her you don't often hear her apart from today but she edits these episodes she edits the video to go out on social she tells me if an episode i've recorded sounds a bit shit and we need to re-record it that has happened before that has
1: happened before yeah honestly
0: it's the best policy hire teams that will not um
1: gas you up i like to do the opposite hire people that tell me when I'm bad well I gas you up in times that I need to gas you up like if there's an episode and it is actually really good yeah I will tell you oh that was fantastic like I loved what you did and here 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 but it's sometimes not always necessary to tell you something it's amazing if it's not I don't need
0: yes people I've got my mum she's a yes person she'll gas me up any day I need it team are different anyway Emma's joining me for this episode and for some future episodes because something that I thought would be fun to do which I've never really done before would be quick fire q a episodes now i regret saying quick fire already because if you know me you'll know that i'm such a rambler this is not going to be uh, quick no there's going to be nothing <laughs> like people are looking right now it's like two minutes into like a 45 minute yeah so, this is like, literally
1: it might even need to be a part two <laughs> this is what we discussed earlier This is not going to be quick at all no <laughs> but hopefully it's about quality not quickness
0: um <laughs> Sound like a boy selling themselves in the bedroom there. <laughs> <laughs> it may be fast, but it's fantastic. I want to do this Q&A episode because I appreciate in a solo episode, I can only cover one topic and I want to make sure I'm helping as many of you as possible. And also allow you as the community behind this podcast to get involved. So if you make sure that you're connected with me on Instagram, Alice underscore Benham, and my LinkedIn, Alice Benham, crazy choices of usernames. I know, I don't know why I felt the need to tell you my name. Every now and again, I'll ask if you've got any questions, if there's something you're struggling with in business, and then we'll do one of these episodes and answer as many of your questions as possible. I don't know why I've just taken two minutes to explain the concept of a Q&A episode, but we're here i don't know what these questions are i've like got a taste of them but emma's just gonna fire them at me as she wants i'm so so excited i feel like the
1: power is truly in my hands it truly is i mean (laughs) as the editor the power is always always in my hands (laughs) kick us off em where are we starting i'm gonna ask you about money first oh because i feel like money is like a good place to start how would you advise that someone stays on top of their finances and prepares for their first tax return Oh, that is a great question. First thing
0: I'd say is that financial awareness needs to be a non negotiable in your business. Like, knowing your finances is not a nice fluffy extra for the people that like money. Like, it is a non-negotiable. Whether you run your business to make tons of profit or not, money is a really big part of your business. It's a tool, it's what allows it to grow. And if making money is also part of your personal why, it's obviously a really important thing to understand. So as someone who doesn't have a natural tendency to be aware of their finances, I'm saying this from a place of love, not shame, make financial awareness a habit make it something where every week or every month you are becoming aware of how much you're making and how much you're spending. Like even just knowing those two main figures, how much am I making and where's that money coming from? You know, what are your revenue streams? What's making what? How much are you spending? You know, is that business essentials? Is that nice added extras? Like get yourself aware is step one and so much will come from that already because you'll immediately begin to see what you might need to change, what spending habits you might need to break. I remember when I realized that I had spent, I think it was like 200 pounds on Nando's in like a three month period. And I was like, okay, that's the awareness. Now the awareness will lead to action, which will lead to change. Well done me. Make financial awareness a habit, rip the bandaid off, take yourself out on a money date. Maybe, you know, I don't encourage people to get drunk, that's really bad. Sometimes I'm like, if I just have one drink, then it feels a bit less scary. So whatever helps yeah. you uh, do that. And then preparing for your tax return, I mean, biggest thing I'd say is save for it as you go. And again, I've made this mistake myself. I did not save for tax in my first year of business. And then I was met with a very hefty bill that I hadn't saved for. And ever since I have been insistent on saving for tax as I make the money. So depending on what tax band you're in, I'm not gonna give specific financial advice, but figure out what percentage you need to save. For me, I put aside 17%, very specific, of all revenue for tax. And that just means that when my tax return comes round, I've always got more than enough money. And I've got more than enough. So I then get a little bit of a bonus in the business, which is fun. Not very quick, was it? But financial awareness and save as you go. Use styling,
1: use spaces. It will change your life. Completely agreed with everything you just said. Um, How would you hold your nerve in a quiet period? I feel like a lot of people experience this. We were talking about it earlier.
0: Yes, I think especially coming out of lockdown, a lot of businesses have found this because we were in, when we were in lockdown, I I don't want to say a false economy, but it was a very different time. People's spending habits were very different. And I think every kind of business has noticed a difference in how people engage with them now post-lockdown. So I think the first thing I'd encourage people to think about is kind of the rhythm and the seasonality of your business. We were talking about this earlier, weren't we, where all businesses will have a rhythm to them. You know, if you are a product-based business where a lot of people buy gifts, you are gonna have a lot more sales in November, December than in January, February. Typically, that's a generalization. As a service-based business, I am much busier in the first half of a year versus in the middle of the year in summer when everyone's off and no one wants to work on their businesses by working with me. Now, I think when you don't understand the seasonality of your business, you see those quiet periods as a red flag, like things are going wrong, things are bad. But the more you get to know the peaks and the troughs, you can begin to expect them, predict them and not be so freaked out by them. It's the biggest reason that I chose August as my month off is because it's naturally quiet. And every August I would freak out and I would do loads panic action and i need to change the whole business because we're failing and then september would be mad because it's naturally busier and i would just give myself loads of extra stuff to do so get to know where your peaks and troughs are and i'd say expect it is the best place to start and then it comes down to some of the logistical things like you know have a buffer of finances in place to help you in those quieter periods Um, and also see them as an opportunity Like any quiet time in your business is an opportunity for you to either take time off. If you want to just chill for a bit, maybe you need a bit of a break or really revisit the kind of foundations and, you know, revisit your long term vision, set some goals, you know, optimize the internals of your business, bring some new structures in, build some financial awareness, like see it as an opportunity for growth as opposed to, oh, gosh, everything's failing. I'm going to panic.
1: Anything you would add to that, Em, as we were discussing this earlier? I totally agree. I think being aware of it's really important because, I don't know, it's very easy just to panic and like freak out. If you suddenly have a period of real lull and you didn't maybe expect it, it's even worse. I remember January was only my first like year of actually being freelance and I wasn't expecting it to be as quiet in my world um, as it was. And I, I freaked out because I wasn't used to having a quiet January but previously working in hospitality and was like what why is it so quiet and then actually february came around and like things came in and i was like oh i haven't failed so i just spent january like doing some courses, like brushing up on things that I hadn't been able to do, doing my tax return and like realising it was okay to like have some time off because this year is going to be crazy. And I probably should have, you know, realised that January was a time of like quiet and peace. Mm, Enjoy it, it's an opportunity. Yeah, exactly. And I
0: think also what helps with this is like forward planning. You should be able to see that a quiet period's coming and if you can't, that's because you haven't got some kind of system in place that helps you predict it. So, you know, for me, like I book clients in in advance, I have a record of who's booked for when, so I can see, oh, that month's looking really quiet. And then I can figure out what I want to do with it, as opposed to getting to the month and being like, shit, this is quiet, what am I going to do? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think it, it comes back to a lot of things. It's the same with a lot of things. It comes back to awareness, planning and, and seeing it. Yeah, it's, it's an opportunity rather than a negative yeah. thing.
1: How did you build in such an engaged following online? Because I would say that your audience is very engaged. Everyone religiously comments on your Instagram posts. Everyone's very engaged on LinkedIn. Like you've, you've obviously got a group of people who really enjoy your content. Mm. How did that kind of come about? Well, thank you, first of all. Not something <laughs> you'd say about yourself, but I appreciate that. Um,
0: to me, what this comes down to is building a community of people, not just an audience. Now for me, that's the difference between an audience and a community As a community is engaged. It's not just me speaking at people and broadcasting. It's a conversation. People are engaged back as well as me engaging with them side note I've done a full episode on how to build a community not just an audience so we'll link that in the show notes if you want to learn more about like how to actually do that tangibly but to kind of summarize that episode I think it really just comes down to being human you know people connect with people and an engaged community are one that don't just follow you for what you say but also for who you are so don't be afraid to show that you know bring your perspective that might be a little bit controversial or a bit different because in order for people to remember you you've got to do something that's memorable so be personal would be my first thought I guess also thinking like bring value like you, you give people a reason to be there don't just expect like oh no one cares about what I do well are you giving them a reason to care are you providing content that is genuinely valuable to them that's inspiring informative relatable you know makes them think whatever value might look like make sure that you're delivering it because that's what keeps a community engaged and I think it also comes down to how you engage with that community this episode is building community because I'm answering questions by the listeners you know, if I was just speaking out at people and never listening back, that would be me preaching into an audience, not having a conversation with a community. So it's the simple stuff. Reply to your comments. I was going to say reply to my DMs. I'm rubbish at replying to my DMs, but, you know, acknowledging when someone tags you in something, being a human, not a business, I think helps people to connect with you on a human level um, and be consistent ultimately like you can do all of those things for a week it's not going to build your community community is about relationship and relationships are about time you do not build trust overnight so be consistent with all of those things and you'll build yourself a nice little community of people that you like and also be in it for the right reasons yeah like you've got to actually like the people like I love the people that I'm connected with online I'm genuinely passionate about the conversations
1: I have with them if I didn't care I wouldn't have been building community for the last five years. I think people can tell when it's fake as well. I think people can yeah. definitely tell online if you know someone's putting up an Instagram story because they're trying to build a community, but not for the right reasons. And I think people are actually a lot more intelligent than a lot of other people think and mm-hmm. that you can see through. And I'm, I know I've seen it on Instagram, Like I can see through when someone's trying to do something just to build a community. Yeah. Next question, how do you stay so motivated? <laughs> Go on, Alice. Question: How do you stay so motivated? That question is completely incorrect
0: because I am not motivated. I am self-disciplined. I could talk about this all day because I think so often in business, we are made to believe that we should always be motivated. You should wake up in the morning with a spring in your step, excited to run your business. Like, so, you know, just like naturally inclined to be working. I'm not always motivated. I most of the time wake up and I'm like, damn it, my alarm has gone off again, we have to get up. And I, what I'd say to people is exercise self-discipline and the motivation will come. You know, motivation is an emotional thing and it's lovely when I feel it. When I feel naturally inclined to work, that is my favorite space to work from. But if I only worked when I was motivated, I wouldn't work a lot. So, for me, it's exercising self discipline. And what that will look like is often choosing what I know is better for my future self over what is better for my current self. My current self wants to stay in bed in the morning, but I know that my future self will appreciate me getting up to go on that run or to do that piece of work. Now, don't get me wrong, this isn't about torturing yourself and being unfulfilled, but it's about prioritizing not just your in the moment feelings but also the long-term change that your action might contribute to. And something that really helps me with this, because I know it's against our emotions to be you know, self-disciplined and doing something we don't want to do, is a five-minute rule. So I have a rule with myself, if I don't want to do something and my emotions are really telling me we don't want to do it, we're not motivated, I have to do it for five minutes. Because so often when you exercise self-discipline for five minutes, the motivation comes because you realise, oh, this task isn't as bad as I thought or I can actually do this quite easily or I've broken the back of it so now it feels much better. So when you are not feeling motivated, you know, do consider, do I actually need or want to be working right now? But if there is something you want to be working on, don't wait for the motivation. Exercise a bit of self-discipline. And just start, if after five minutes of self-discipline, you really don't wanna do it, fine. I let myself walk away. But more times than not, after five minutes of self-discipline, the emotional motivation has clicked in and I'm like, cool, I'm ready to go. So Alice Benham is not motivated all the time. She is simply disciplined. And I always organize my time well and I know what I need to be doing and I use productivity methods, so.
1: And you use wonderful branded paper from on paper to allow you to stick very on track. Ain't that right. Em. Well done. Um, how would you say you can make your business work best for you? So what kind of like methods and procedures do you have in place, which allow you, well, allow your business to work in the easiest way possible?
0: I think it starts with knowing what does your business working for you actually look like for you? And what does that mean? Because it's easy to say, isn't it? Like, oh, like make your business work for you. But that's a very individual thing. So I'd say that's your place to start is to consider, right, what does my business working for me look like? You know, find, Financially, what do I want it to do for me? In terms of my time, what do I want that interaction to look? You know, how many hours do I work, want to work? When in the day do I want to be working? You know, what kind of work do I want to be doing? I think it's making sure that every kind of central piece of your business aligns with what's important to you. So, you know, are the kind of projects you're doing working for you and feeling fulfilling? Is the way that, you know, you have boundaries and structure around your time? Is that feeling good? And then I think past that point it's thinking about how can you make your business work harder for you? So... I have a natural tendency to make things as difficult for myself as possible. Like, I love the feeling of being busy. So I'm not always looking for better ways to do things, but that's kind of a choice I, I have to constantly make of like, right, how can we make things more streamlined, more automated? So I think it's looking at each part of your business and thinking, right, how could this be just working a little bit harder for me? You know, if you're doing a really repetitive task all the time, is there a way that you could automate that so that it's happening without you having to be involved? If there are parts of your business that you really don't enjoy, could you outsource them or get someone else to be doing it or just eliminate that task from your business as a whole? Like even just sitting down and going, right, what are all the things I don't like about running my business right now? And then sit there and brainstorm and what can I do about it? And you won't be able to change them all overnight, but there's likely some very small changes you can make that will help your business to feel better for you. So actually scrap the first part of my answer Think about what is not feeling good and then think about what you might be able to do to change that. And don't look for the big, you know, in six months time solutions. Look at what can I tangibly implement right now that might not solve that, but is going to make that feel a little bit better. Yeah. That would be my answer.
1: What are your top three ways to add more value to a newsletter? Oh, quick fire, three things. Top three. Adding more value to a
0: newsletter. Number one, don't call it a newsletter. Nobody wants to sign up to your newsletter. Nobody cares about your business that much. Call it what it actually is. It's a piece of content, it's value. So whatever that value looks like for your newsletter, call it that. That would be my first tip. When you call it a newsletter, people just think icky marketing. I don't care. I don't want to sign up to that. Second way to add more value to your newsletter is, as I've just mentioned, see it as a content stream. Yes, it is a place to sell, but just like any other platform, you have to nurture and serve in order to sell. So focus on the nurture and the serve. Why would people sign up? What are you sharing every week or every month, which is adding value to your clients or customers' lives? You have to nurture and serve your email list before you can sell to them. So start there. What value can you bring through a kind of blog post length email? And then how can you be sharing that consistently? And then the third thing I'd say, wow, these are linking into each other so nicely. Be consistent with it. Like value via a newsletter, oh, just said the new word newsletter, um, takes time to really pay off. It is a slow burning platform a lot of the time email marketing, but it is so impactful when you give it consistency and time. So once you've done those first two steps, then be consistent with it and obviously listen to the feedback. Like what do people respond a lot to? What do you get good open rates for? What do you get a lot of replies to? Like adapt that concept moving forwards to make sure that it's really serving your people. But yeah, don't overthink it. I feel like we see email as this really overwhelming platform, but just see it like you're writing a letter to your people every couple of weeks. What would you write? That should be your email
1: i love these are the words your people i just imagine this like little community of like of like black and white dressed people who are like (laughs) waiting for your emails to come into their email box inbox 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 yeah you can tell i don't have a newsletter can't you (laughs) you don't have a newsletter no because we don't call them newsletters (laughs) well done then we love that i like this question which was, you speak so clearly, how do you organize your thought and speak so well? And I kind of, I personally had thought of it in like a video sense, like how do you speak so clearly on the podcast? Like how do you speak so clearly on your Instagram stories? Like, I don't know if that's how, what the person meant when they said it, but that's how that's how I heard it. Insert compilation
0: of me making mistakes on this
1: podcast and <laughs> not speaking clearly.
0: I think like anything, it's a muscle. And you do yourself a massive disservice when you assume that it comes naturally to other people. Now, I think it is probably a trait that I find easier than most and uh, nature versus nurture, you decide, but you know, I grew up in an environment where I was comfortable being on stages. I was happy speaking to groups of people. So I entered the world of business feeling fairly okay with kind of you know presenting myself and talking to camera. But that doesn't mean that I was this clear and kind of concise and on brand from day one. As we said at the start of this episode, you only have to go back and listen to episode number one of this podcast to hear how much I have evolved over the years in terms of the way that I present myself. A phrase I love to use is you find your voice by using it. You do not wake up one day with this real clarity of message and confidence in the way that you speak. You gain those things through practice, like any muscle. You know, I wouldn't wanna go out right now and run a marathon and expect I'd be good. So don't jump onto camera and expect that immediately you're gonna be great at it. Like let yourself be crap and let yourself learn through action. And also realize that a lot of people are still making mistakes, even if it doesn't seem that way. And you can attest to this. You edit out errors from this podcast. I don't speak seamlessly. Like, am I pretty good? I think at presenting, yes. But are there still times where I re-record something and I try again? Absolutely. It happens so much more than you think. So don't be expecting that you're going to reach this perfection, but see it as a muscle. You'll get better as it the more you do it. And also, I think, prepare what you're going to say beforehand. Like people might assume, I don't know, but they might assume that when I'm speaking to camera or recording this podcast, like this is just off the cuff it's not there's a structure in my head you know a lot of these topics i've talked about thousands of times with clients or in content thousands might be an exaggeration let's <laughs> say hundreds you know take that last answer about email marketing i've talked about email marketing for hours so that came quite easily to me because i'm used to the topic so the better you get to know your topics what 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 it is that you talk about whatever your topics might be the better you'll get at sharing them so yeah, I think just really get to know what it is that you want to share and don't be afraid to prepare. Like I don't have scripts ever. I think that's the biggest way to make something feel awkward is to be reading off of a script. But I do have prompts. I do have structure because I know that, you know, everything needs structure. I don't just sit down and it's all good to go. That's why I'm sitting and recording this episode with you, Em, is because if I sat and did this by myself, I'd probably still be on question two right now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, I think it's so true. I think just the easiest way to do it is by doing Mm-hmm. It sounds so stupid, but like just talking more makes you more confident at talking because you get used Filly. to talking. Yeah. And you get over yourself as well. Yeah. Nobody is listening to you
0: as much as you think they are. No one cares. Yeah, that's actually No don't. one's <laughs> thinking, oh, they sound a bit weird or they like. Nobody cares about you as much as you think they do. So just get over yourself, give it a go and you'll get better the more you do it.
1: Right. Next question. How do you get your first clients if you don't have any previous testimonials? Ooh. I like that question. I feel like this is something
0: we could and should and will <laughs> see wow. that evolution that people <laughs> do a whole episode on because I think I would have benefited from hearing this. I remember when I was starting out as a kind of social media manager and then when I kind of pivoted to doing digital marketing consultancy, that was the big question on my mind. Like, how do you get that first client? Because like a lot of things in business, momentum builds as you go. So your first client is likely going to be the hardest and once you have a client, the next will be easier, and so will the next. Like now, my client work, I don't really promote it, I don't really have to sell it because it sells itself. I've got so many fantastic past clients, word of mouth is really strong, and now it's kind of happening really easily. But it wasn't like that at the start. You have to get the ball rolling yourself. And the biggest thing, I know this might be a bit controversial, but it worked for me, and I see it work for a lot of clients that I'd encourage you to do, if you have the capacity to do it, is to do some free or discounted work. You know, when people ask, how do I get my first client, like you said, there without a testimonial, you know, what you're really looking for is like, how do I just get that like first foot in the door, that first bit of experience, that first something that says, hey, I can do this. And why wait for someone else to give that to you or do that for you? If you have the time to commit, and that's a really important caveat, you know, do some work that is an easy yes for people, you know, whether it's discounting it or whether it's offering it for free, that will really help you because it not only helps to get your name out there and give you testimonials and case studies, but it also gives you practice in what you do. The free work that I do, and I do free work every single year, I now don't do it to help the business grow, but I just do it because I want to. But every single time I do that free work, it helps me because it's practice. And as we've just talked about, the more you do something, the better you get at it. You know, it helps you to stress test your systems, your processes, your onboarding, your offboarding. So do some work for free, I would say is a, a, a big thing that can help and that was definitely what helped me in the early days kind of get those first few paying clients and I think that's the only tip I'll give for now because we're going to do a full episode on it so subscribe to the podcast to hear more um about how to get your first
1: clients how do you organize your content oh we use google drive (laughs) in case anyone wonders (laughs) many things um lots of folders (laughs)
0: People might expect to have got really organised content, but I don't. <laughs> Which is what I
1: think people probably expect you to say.
0: Yes. And again, it, it does you a disservice when you assume people have these really intricate systems because you think, well, I'm failing because I don't have this really amazing system. To let you behind the curtain, uh, my content planning generally looks like... And this podcast is the only exception because Emma's involved, guests are involved, a lot of money is involved, so it's a bit more complex. But the rest of my content is usually a scrap of paper on a Sunday evening. (laughs) I obviously have a wider strategy that's in a document. You know, I know my platforms, who I'm speaking to, my content pillars, what goals I'm trying to achieve. But in terms of the actual planning, it's nothing fancy. Like I will usually sit down, it's usually the notes app on my phone or a scrap piece of paper at my desk, and I'll just write out, right, what's happening this week, what's happening in the business, what are my goals, what are we working on and what do we want to say where. I'll write out roughly a plan for Instagram content, you know, stories and grid, LinkedIn, my emails, whatever the podcast is doing this week, I'll write that in as well and obviously anything else marketing wise that's happening. It's not much fancier than that. Now you don't have to do that on a weekly basis but that's That I think is what content planning really is, is that moment, and I do it on a Sunday night, like I said, where you sit down and you just check in and go, right, where are we at? What's happening? What's coming up? What am I gonna be doing on my socials, in my content in response to that? And then in terms of the actual organization of it, This isn't a really annoying answer, but it's like whatever's going to work best for you. Like we use Google Drive. Um, I don't use any scheduling tools because I don't schedule content, but I'm not saying that's the way to do it. You know, just find the things that help you to show up as consistently as you can. And don't wait for the perfect process. You know, the goal of content planning is not to content plan. The goal of content planning is to actually post content so whatever your system is even if it's post-it notes up on your wall or notes on the back of your hand but that's a bit rough because you need to shower so maybe not that uh but you know however you do your content planning the most important thing is that you do it it's not really important how or where you do it so that's how i organize my content but you do you
1: would be my encouragement there i think it's different for everyone yeah and I think it's just like figuring out what is best for each person and I remember I scheduled posts years ago and realized I really didn't like it (laughs) because it took away the control that I liked of actually posting it myself and being able to change the caption and it really stressed me out Mm. And it took me like to try and schedule it to realise I didn't like scheduling it. it, So now I don't schedule it. Yeah. You know. And it's
0: just those lessons, isn't it? Like I'm not going to sit here and go, this is the way to content plan. I could share with you the three-step process to content planning that you can do whatever way you want. Maybe that's a future episode. Right, that done. know, Actually, we've already talked about that in a past episode. We'll link whatever episode it's in in the show notes. But yeah, go and listen to that if you want to know the process, but how you do it, totally up to you. And it also depends on your capacity. Like I work all of the time, so it's fine for me that it's a bit in my head and I'm kind of making it up as I go. If you're someone listening to this that's very strapped for time or headspace, you probably need it to be a lot more planned and structured and scheduled. So don't take this as like Alice's approach. Take this as just like you said, Em, you do what works for you. And as long as it works, that's the point.
1: This leads very well into the next question, which is how do you find a healthy work-life balance? And how do you not work all all the time? So I think can kind of answer <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah, if we want to just call in a friend in this one, anyone else want to chime in? I think
0: work-life balance is non-existent. Mm. I could begin a bit of a rant here about how I think, especially in the society we live in, it only puts pressure on women, especially mothers, to achieve this completely unrealistic expectation where everything in your life is perfectly optimised and you're doing all of the things to the best of your ability. I just don't think that's realistic. The way I see quote unquote work-life balance is a blend. It is not a balance because things are never perfectly balanced. It's always one way or another. But what's important to me is that whatever blend I have is intentional. You know, I've had times in business where it's not been intentional and my business has happened to me. You know, I've been working crazy long hours, but it hasn't been a choice. It hasn't been intentional and that's not been sustainable. But now there's times where I, do and will work very long hours. But the difference is, it's intentional. I know why I'm doing it. I'm not just working crazy long hours for the sake of it. And I have that sense of control. So for me, what that looks like is when I'm looking at my schedule, you know, my time is meticulously planned out work-wise. I know everything that's happening, when it's happening, what's, what's going on. So I can see the kind of periods that are more full on and the periods that are quieter. And I will really set intention for that. Like, okay, we are currently in a really full on season. There's a lot going on right now. My time is very stretched. I had a start to the year that wasn't that way at all. So for me, I hope this is making some sense. It's not about seeing like, what's this perfect balance that I can always achieve? It's letting it blend and letting that blend shift depending on what my priorities are and how things are feeling and just staying connected to that. Like at the moment I am working long hours but I know why I'm working those long hours and I feel okay to make that decision so I think it comes back to a self-awareness and just kind of checking in on how it's feeling for you and if it doesn't feel right take a step back right what do you need to change like think about something my life coach talks to me about and we talked about it in a past episode actually is your blend of work rest and play what are those three kind of sections of your life looking like how much are you working how much are you resting how much are you playing what feels off And what needs to change in order for you to get more of that time back? So I hope that kind of answers the question. I definitely need more playing in my life. Mm. I really like that. Yeah. I'm going to play more. Yeah. But, but then it's the question of like, where's that playtime come from? Like if you see it as a pie chart, you can't increase one no, section no, without, without decreasing, decreasing another. another. Yeah. So it's like, be intentional with yourself. Like where is that really going to come from and realize that ultimately you're in control. Like That'd if be a great
1: exercise. Draw out a little pie chart, see where you think you're mm-hmm. falling by the wayside. Yeah, absolutely. And if it
0: feels off, you are the only person that can change that. You know, we all like to throw a bit of a pity party. My clients are stressing me out. Things that like, cool, that's on you. Yeah. Like, I hate to say it, but if things are really overwhelming, you are the only person that can change that. And as business owners, we have incredible amounts of control. We just don't exercise it a lot. We let work completely take over. So give it some boundaries, give it a container. And like I said, just make sure however your your blend looks, it's intentional for you. To a lot of people, my blend is wildly unfulfilling and unsustainable. It's not for me. So it's just making sure you're doing what feels right. And I think circling back to what I said at the very start, you know, letting things be a bit off sometimes. Like I can't show up for every area of my life and work all of the time. There are times where I sacrifice, whether this is good or not, like looking after myself personally to grow the business and vice versa. So like, accept that something's always gonna feel a bit off. And as long as you check in with how you feel about that, and try and change it. It is what it is. It's hard work at the end of the day running a business.
1: If it was easy, everyone would do it. Absolutely. And... It's not easy. Okay, so rounding off, we had some personal questions. I mean, they're not that personal or juicy, but how is Red Shirt Man? (laughs) That is what everyone wants to know. (laughs) That one came through so much. That's because you tease on your Instagram story all the time, like, ooh, and then we don't get the juicy information. What do you want to know? It's so boring now. Which is embarrasses me to talk about it. I find it really cringy.
0: For people who don't have context, um, last year I was dating a lot because I was a fun gal um, coming out of lockdown and I would document my dating on Instagram stories and I loved it and you guys loved it as well. I mean, I understand why. Dating content is always so interesting Um, and the guys would always get nicknames and there was a guy last September called Red Shirt Man. He was labelled that because you guessed it, he wore a red shirt to our first date and it kind of gave me the yick. But yeah, I documented that and then I haven't really spoken about him since because he's just... He's just stuck around. And I feel like it's not that exciting, but without throwing up in my mouth as I say it, he is my boyfriend. Oh um, Yeah, i Spelman's got was a boyfriend, everyone. Um, I'm actually getting red just talking about <laughs> she it. Is. She's getting redder and redder, right in it. front of I me. I honestly feel so embarrassed for myself that I have a boyfriend. Like I really am judging myself, but <laughs> you know, he's good. We like him. He listened to the podcast today. The episode that came out today was with George and Jess. And I was like, oh, like, hope you enjoy it. Let me know what you think obviously didn't mean let me know what you think i just meant like tell me that i'm great he sends me a lot a whatsapp message that was longer than my screen with feedback numbered so he gave me (laughs) constructive criticism and then good points he literally gave me a like analysis of my podcast i really respect that yeah i it was like i i knew i just couldn't give you like praise like you would want to Really know. I was like, well, I didn't really say criticize me, but I do appreciate it. Was
1: any of it helpful? Was anything that I can take on? There were some points on the editing. Amazing. (laughs) Please, please pass them over over to you. I'm I'm really excited to
0: read it. Uh, So, yeah, Red Shirt Man is still around. I'm afraid to say the dating content has got very boring, but yes. I did
1: enjoy seeing that he's like dose intolerant on your story yesterday. He's very, very intolerant. But you know the whole camembert? I'm coping
0: i'm a trooper i'm so brave i'm joking any lactose intolerant people listening love to you and stop eating cheese oh my goodness cheese is the best thing i'm lactose intolerant but i love cheese he's so annoying he actually just eats it i'm like choose something like no cheese is so good eat it or don't because it's really annoying that you eat it and then you moan i'm like you're not allowed to moan if you've chosen to eat something that you can't eat that's on you go home stop going to me
1: Anyway, this is taking a turn. What's right. the next question? Are you taking another month off this year? Also, as your worker. As your worker? Yeah. <laughs> I was say. As your worker be. As my team member. <laughs> as your team member, I would uh, like to know, are you taking a month off this year? I absolutely am. August off is a non-negotiable.
0: Standard. Although, I don't know why I just answered that so confidently. Yeah, I am considering this is a bit controversial to my past self who was like I'll always do this I am considering using my month off to work on on paper this year Ooh. because and I think this might lead with the next question yeah people ask. how is the new business um, <laughs> great struggling to make the time for it like oh my gosh I could do well I'm not going to do a whole episode on it because it would just be me moaning I've got no helpful things to share running two businesses is so difficult I am I've really struggled this year and you've been privy to this Em um And yeah, I am wondering, do I use maybe even just like a week of my month off to work on on paper? Or maybe I finish like a a week early and I can spend a week working on that business. I don't know, but I will be taking definitely a month away from this business. Um, And for those who haven't heard more about that, maybe that would be interesting to do a whole episode about like how, why, you know, taking a whole month off from your business. I think it can sound really unachievable, but actually having done it now for two years, it is not only pretty easy to do dare i say it but also so impactful like i love it. it 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 works so well for me and for the business um so yes i've just combined both of those questions thank you so um, much on paper is good it started strong it has not continued very <laughs> strong but i'm gonna get there uh and yeah i will be taking a month off this year tbc what that month off will be used for it's really made me realize i don't know how people do it with, like, families. Yeah. Because if it feels this... Like, all I do is run businesses and you can't even do two of them at once. Like, how do people have a business? And we're going to talk to some mums in future episodes because I am genuinely fascinated. I'm really impressed. Yeah.
1: Oh, I thought you meant by me talking to mums. (laughs) Oh, no, (laughs) no. No, no, no. no, Impressed by the mums. No, no, but even just, like, mums who... Like, my mum also runs business and then also manages two kids and can also cook dinner. Like, I don't understand. Insane. Like, I... Can
0: only do business. Like, I am being picked up from the station when I get back, and I'm pretty sure I was about to say his name Red Shirt Man. Oh, exclusive. We'll have bought food and we're gonna have dinner. Like, he, I don't even live with him, and he's basically my carer, so. <laughs>
1: I always refer to my boyfriend that I'm his carer, so I'm glad that we, we both have carers. We're just different different types of carers. I write that, and both yeah. have lactose intolerance in the relationship. Yeah, I love that. It's beautiful. Let's get see. on really well. <laughs> I've really enjoyed this episode. Yeah, so have I. It's been really wholesome. Oh, it's been a nice little us. insight into our different different brains.
0: Yes, absolutely. And of course, as listeners, if you've got a question that you would love answered, oh, I didn't say this at the start. We're going to set up a Google form. Yes, So if you head to the show notes, click the link in there that says something like, send us your questions and feel free to share, anonymous or not, doesn't matter, we're totally easy. Any question, dilemma, something you're struggling with in business, something you'd like to know, even if it's just something you want us to like chat about, um, we'd love to hear because I'll do one of these episodes in some amount of time's time. Maybe weeks, maybe months. Who knows? knows? Uh, But yeah, I've really enjoyed this. So I hope as listeners or as a listener, I should say you're not listening to this as a crowd. You are one human. Uh, I hope you have found this in some way interesting, helpful, insightful. My encouragement with an episode like this is try not to action everything. Take one thing. One answer I gave that maybe has given you one action or one thing to move forward with and do that. Because if you try and do everything, you do nothing. So do one thing today that helps your business move forwards uh subscribe to this podcast so that, that you don't miss out on future episodes that's that's one thing to do maybe great do two things thing to do.
1: um and yeah i think that's it for another episode yeah i have nothing else to say have you, you enjoyed your debut i've absolutely loved my debut thank you for having me please be kind to me <laughs> that's <is> all enjoy <laughs> editing your own voice i'm so excited I'm
0: <laughs> Hey, It's Alice. Before you go into action, what you've learned in today's episode, I want to share a quick note about this week's partner. One of the biggest mistakes I see people making when it comes to marketing is not analyzing the statistics. The numbers, whether it be podcast downloads, website traffic, or likes on a post are all telling you something about what is and isn't working in your strategy. It's invaluable data, but so often we don't listen to it. And I get it. I can easily forget to or feel too overwhelmed to look at my numbers, which is why I've made a monthly habit of sitting down to review my content. It's already made me better at showing up for my goals and I found a great tool for it which makes this an easy task, Metricool. By bringing all your platforms into one place, Metricool makes it easy to analyze, manage and improve your content. My favorite is their analytics tool because you don't have to go searching for the numbers, they're all in front of you to look at and most importantly, learn from. They also have a content planner, inbox manager and hashtag tracker, so Metricool really can be a one-stop shop for all your marketing needs. I only partner with brands who I genuinely believe can bring value to our lives as business owners. And this one is no different. So to start managing your marketing with intention, head to the link in the show notes and start using Metricool for free today.